I would not care if my son dated a stripper. Oh yeah. But I am a robot so I don't get strippers at all. Oh yeah. Girl shows her data ports for money, big deal. Oh yeah. It's time for grown men to talk about who can't fuck their kids. Hello and welcome to the Rules of Acquisition podcast where we will be going through every single episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine, the greatest TV show that is getting great and dealing with great shit. And yeah, same shit I say every week. Uh, (laughs) With me, as always, is James Nolan. Hey, guys. And also... Hugh Crawford. Hello, gentlemen. And my name is Wade Bowen. And yeah, we're you like you had to check uh, your notes there on that one. Are we okay? <laughs> no, I, I thought it was a I dramatic to, pause. <laughs> okay. I was yeah. I, I, I had to check myself into saying something goofy like dad joke. Uh, I'm not a dad. Y'all are dads. I was like, and yes. we're not abandoning this podcast. <laughs> we're talking about. The Abandoned. <laughs> the, uh, yeah, we're, we're watching Abandoned this week. It originally aired October 31st, 1994. Halloween. Uh, it is episode six of season three. Yeah, Halloween 1994. The IMDb description is as follows. Odo tries to change the nature of a rapidly maturing Jim Hadar infant, Quark finds, while Cisco tries to break his son's relationship with a 20-year-old Davo girl. That's about That's about it. That's succinctly uh, put, and it does kind of spoil right? the, the the sweet sort of discovery that it is a Jim Hadar. It does spoil, yeah, like that it's a Jim Hadar, and also that it turns into an Odo episode. Yeah, because it starts off at the Dabo table. If we if we're starting at the Dabo table, are we gonna are we gonna start talking about uh, Marta now? Mart. Well, <laughs> before we even I get have to quite a bit to say about this. Yeah, we could start with Marta, the uh, Jake Cisco stripper girlfriend. No, I'm sorry, Dabo well, girl. Yes. Uh, because she's at the Dabo table with the butt-faced baboon butt alien from Cardassians, if you remember. Yes, I do remember. You're right. He was a Cardassian agent. Yeah, he was the shit stirrer with all that stuff, wasn't he? Yeah. Oh. But... I don't know if they know that it's the same guy. They just like we like that actor. We'll bring him back. But we have the butt head form. We also brought back a mildly sexy, pink-haired, purple-haired lady. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, we have seen her before. That's what I was wondering. Like, yeah, she feels oddly familiar. Yeah. So we have yeah. seen her before. Yes. Yeah. She what was episode in a, was she in? Uh, a fourth season episode. I remember saying that despite having like all the butt stuff on her face, she was kind of hot. Like she kind of did it for me. I remember saying that. Yeah, that's. It was probably. It was it. It wasn't cueless, or it was one where Odo got something. I mean, not. I always get the people's names wrong. Port got a contraband shit. Yes. Yes. No, that's right. He got a necklace from the man who shot Liberty Vallis. Yes, she was the one that gave him. Lee Nallis. Yeah, Lee yeah. Nallis. She was the one that gave him the earring. Yes. Yeah. You're right. I knew it felt like a while ago, but still, like, it was like maybe a good episode. But yes, that's. Yeah, yeah. And the butt faced alien is named Okalar because he's hitting. He really looked it up. Well, no, I I just took a note when I watched it. Okay. (laughs) Watch it with them subtitles on. I'm sorry. I was was distracted by by Marta's titties. (laughs) (laughs) She. They they are. They are um, full framed in the shot. Yes, they are. 
I was gonna say they're I'm sorry. Yeah, they're fabulous. Yes, they're fabulous. Um, they're not. But not only that, but not, like it's they're huge. Like I mean, not physically, yeah. but like they have her in like some sort of giant whatever. They they well, clearly went to great lengths to put put her chest front and forward. And right. Well, yeah. Rick Rick Berman was on Rick, the set that day. Yes, Rick Berman, <laughs> uh, as we all uh, was apparently very uh, very open and particular. And demanding about, uh, he was a lot like, I guess, Howard Hughes in that regard. But um, anyway, uh, but I, I also noticed that every time Jake looked at her, and this is where you realize that Ciroc was like a 14-year-old boy on set. It's like he was just looking at her titties, like the whole time. And it was distracting. And I like at some point, I, I'm glad in the second scene she was wearing a more conservative top because he got to act yeah, in that yeah. scene as opposed to just clearly <laughs> distracted through the entire set. You mean when he kisses her hand, you weren't taken away by how charming he was? <laughs> he's his father's son. That's like some... A- Avery Brooks would do the same exactly. kind of You're show, right, you're right. But just follow his eyeballs of that whole first scene with her. <laughs> like, it, that was... The, yeah, he, well, he's a, he's a, he's a, he's young, a boy young boy going through some changes. Yes. He's, he's, he's a little bit older than he used to be anyways. So, okay, so let's anyway, just talk... Said, First rule of Dabo, watch the watch wheel, the... not the girl. Yes. And I get that they were trying to make her seem like a stripper. And... Yes. Well, that's what Dabo girls okay, are so at let's best. let's get back into, real quick, the, the ins and outs of, like, the Dabo girl. Like, what a Dabo girl is supposed to do and what, like, they're not supposed to... Because we've had this conversation very early in our, mm. in our run mm-hmm. where we discussed, does cork traffic in sex, sex trade? Yes. Because the uh, yeah. Dabo girl, I don't quite understand the stigma. I mean, her. we can fast forward a little bit to the dinner where she discusses the falling out with her family. And it kind of boomerangs back to Andrew Sisko, judging her for what she does. And it's kind of a gotcha moment. Mm-hmm. Although I don't know, really. I, I don't know well, how much of this. It's clearly at least equivalent to being a stripper. But like, why? And if they're going by the old rules, the old... Probably like when the Kardashians ran the station, when Quark still had the "you have to fuck me" clause in there before yeah. Benjamin Cisco said you don't have to fuck them; it's going to be all right. Then it, I bet it had an even. I bet there's still a stigma left over from that. Maybe okay. So right. it seems like a more direct parallel, just taking it on face value, not the way they treat, it, but like what she does is kind of comparable to like a cigarette girl from the 1940 movies. Yeah. I don't know if those really existed, but I know they existed in movies, you know, like garter belt, yeah, right. fish that stocking is like, do you want a cigarette or the girl who brings you a drink at the casino? Yeah. At a casino. Right, yeah. Right. Like at a casino. Yeah. Yeah. I've been to a casino. Yeah. Well, the other thing but, is, yeah, yeah, we've, yeah, we've, we're all grown adults. <laughs> yeah. Right. I guess, but that woman guess, doesn't like also, that, that girl's parents and sister's, Talk to her, that girl. That girl who brings you the drink. Her parents aren't, I mean, unless they're like, I don't know. Well, they look. Seventh uh, day Adventists or something. Her family. I was going to say, the, the Bajorans are a very religious culture. And it does make sense, you know, like, apparently it's. But their priests all... can fuck. I mean, like, outside of sure, marriage. But... Oh, yeah. Six vibes for days. With yeah. The priests, and then, yeah. then you go back to that one where Nurse Ratchet's people were on board and uh, where I made the Cleveland Steamer <laughs> uh, references. <laughs> The conservative ones, like they're like, oh, they're not going to be interested in gambling because they're conservative and that's against their thing. So there is that kind of stigma, yeah. even though those are the ones. That and that's really and that's under the. I mean, that's kind of like 
I've got loaded, but this is uh, this is unfairly loaded. I realize this, but that's kind of like the 9/11 hijackers going to strip clubs before 9/11. You know, like I think that it's supposed to be looked at as transgression by religious people, right? Not like the norm. I guess I could still. That's what. I, oh, I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. So the norm yeah. would be conservative, like, oh, not my daughter. Yeah. So that they would have. The, I'm just saying the norm would fit the stigma of her family not agreeing. With Marta, how many Dabo girls? fuck clients like a percentage um like fuck for money i'd say it's probably on par with i see mean, and i can't get a really good sense of that there are good strippers that out there you know strippers oftentimes do yes they do too, so it's probably they're usually i think it's no and also Guys, it's, there's rules it's the that. 90s and their pot so sure. they, they imply a lot of things and then also kind of mm-hmm. pretend to be demure so it, like the like the whole suites are obviously brothels, especially early on in yeah. the first two seasons. Yeah, you got a pretty. Clear. And I think Dabu girls are strippers and or you know working girls. Yeah, yeah. Even though they do, even though they can't come out and say it, you know, explicitly. Yeah. Right. You know, for whatever reason. I get it. Yeah. Okay. So like, I, I'm willing to believe that Marta is not a, a you know. Isn't giving handies in, no, in the back in the back in the, in the, in the same the, way like just like you know but I don't necessarily I mean I think that you're supposed to think that some girls do you know yeah yeah totally. all right all right well I I'm I'm satisfied with that because I'm just trying to wade through like how much of a stigma there is and I guess why not I don't know you I don't I'm not quite sure where Cisco landed I guess he shifted his direction his attention to back to his son because he realized he really didn't know his son that well. And that this young woman could teach him a thing or two about a son. Yeah, and he has a whole discussion with O'Brien. Well, and the whole Jake is like a little put off that his dad had came to invite this dog, but girl to <laughs> like even even Jake kind of internalizes is like, oh, he seems a little uncomfortable about being a, bringing a stripper to meet his dad, even though he said she's really smart, she wants to study bugs. <laughs> a few episodes earlier, yes. uh, and then yeah, and then O'Brien is like, oh yeah, she's great. And then why are you inviting him to dinner if you're just going to break him up? Because, yeah, it comes out. She's 20 years old. And he's only six. Okay, let's stop here. Because she looks, and, and she wasn't, she's just not, the actress is not this old. But uh, she looks 35. And at this point, Ciroc, to me, mm-hmm. looks 13. Visually, it's goofy. And, and I, yeah, I think it's supposed to be goofy, but it's so extreme. I, it's so extreme. Yeah, I think yeah. that's that's why he's like the the extreme telegraphs how important it is for Cisco to break it up. Okay, so you're are you as I mean I, I'm not trying to be exclusionary to Wade and our listeners who are not parents, but do you as a parent, you're kind of like I'd probably be where Cisco is on this, right? Uh, yeah. I, there's a little bit, there's a lot, there's a big difference between being 20 years old and being 16 years old. Yes. Yes. I mean, things are happening fast. Yes. So, yeah. and I mean, and they do look very much different in age. Yeah. I'd say he, I'd buy him as a 16 year old and I'd say she looks I guess I, 26 instead of 30. I mean, we're not against the four year age difference. I mean, I'm sure if he was 36 and she's 40, nobody's exactly, right exactly. that. But developmentally, developmentally, He's got a little ways to go, and she's yeah, yeah. obviously lived a life. She's a stripper, I, so she's been, she's, she's, not, some, she's not a virgin. She's probably she's, not a virgin. She's seen some shit. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know, man. That's a tough. Like, I don't want to be. I don't want to be a prude or whatever. Yeah, about I don't. It. I'm with you on this. It was the whole time I was kind of like, 
And I think Cisco, to his credit on the writing and the acting of uh, Avery Brooks' acting, I think that all comes across. Yeah. He's not like, yeah. he's not like a parrot from Footloose about this. He's, you know, but, <laughs> right, right, but right, he right. is just kind of <laughs> like, uh, if I can fuck this up for my kid, that'd be a good thing. Yeah. You know, but I, I don't want to do it in a way that it comes back on me, you know? Right. But if, if I could just subtly influence this to fall apart, that'd be good. I think that anytime you sense your your child is in some sort of like peril, real or imagined, uh-huh. you kind of go, it's natural for a good parent to want to intervene. And I think that's where his headspace was at. And I would like to think that I wouldn't be, I'd be cooler about something like that, but maybe I'd freak out too. I yeah. Don't know. And, and, you know, he's the commander of the station whether it's true or not, or if it's unjust for him to have these opinions, like your stereotype of a stripper, like, oh, she's just coming at my son to take advantage of him because she knows that I'm the guy in power. You know, she might be using him. I can't, I have to stop. I have to step in and shut this down before, you know, because he's being protective of the son be taken advantage of by a stripper. And you you also say that why, I mean, if you're Cisco, you're thinking there's this, Okay, let's say she's twenty year old, and he's seen her at the because he went to Quarks to talk to her, so he sees what her work outfit looks like. Yeah, and, and so so Cisco has been you know seen that side of her. He's got to be asking why is this woman coming after my little boy, and it probably isn't because of my little boy's inner life. And it turns out that that he realizes that Jake is much more, more probably more interesting than he realized. But yeah, and that's. That's a great part of the story. And that she's not, yeah, and that she's not just a dumb stripper trying to exactly, take advantage she's, of her son. She, she's actually intelligent and yeah. you know, not what he expected. Because Don't make assumptions. But when that. they break up, I'm, I'm certain he's not like, that's awful. I was, I was already, I was already, I was already picturing your kids in my mind, you know, like I'm sure he wasn't doing that either. <laughs> so I'm sure he was like, that's for the, she was nice, but that's for the best. Yeah. And did she give you her in a five? <laughs> no. Uh, but I mean, like, she <laughs> could have easily been. <laughs> Were you safe? Oh, yeah, well. um, yes. So, so, so yeah. that, that is. That's the B plot. And it, 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 How much and it beautifully ties in at the beginning to the A plot. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah we can move. This is all just sort of a small little way. thing that I wanted to talk about. And this is start to a burgeoning episode of each act that seemed like it was a different story mm-hmm. where you know first it was about yeah. Quark buying you know getting a wacky adventure buying something goofy then it goes to commercial and then it's about Cisco right, right. like they I mean apparently we haven't really gone over it but apparently Jim and Dar's like little yeah, boy it goes to commercial when he <laughs> like, yeah he's got a baby yeah yeah, and yeah, then the yeah. next the, I mean he buys a salvage yeah. from the Gamma Quadrant from the purple haired sexy alien mm-hmm. yeah and then there's a baby in there and he's no 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 and then, yeah, it turns out it's a spoilers you've seen, and it. it's a it's a it's a little black baby. <laughs> Cisco is really attached to it. Yeah, it's a cute, yeah, cute little black baby. And that's weird. And that, it, I'm going to talk about that in a minute. But it, yeah, it's because it's clearly like they're showing that he's like like they don't they put like a little thing on him, like a little like sort of doomsday tusk on him, <laughs> yeah. on his forehead. But in every other way, it's just a beautiful African American baby. 
Like it isn't. Yeah. Well, but you he's know, not the armadillo-faced Jim Hadar that he will turn into soon. Yeah. Which I'll give him credit for. Like, but like, I mean, why? Why they always got to be white babies? They, I just. I guess it's <laughs> weird is that he turns into an armadillo by the end of the episode. Yeah, so why yeah, wouldn't the baby look slightly more armadillo-esque? Well, I guess. Well, I mean, nerd corner and me is like, well, that's. That makes sense. I mean, well, if you're, it's like maybe the, all the Jim Hadar were just regular looking, you know, because mm-hmm. your base humanoids in all of Star Trek, whether they're human or not, mm-hmm. look like humans with some shit on their yeah, face. Yeah, they all got two, two so legs. Maybe they started off looking like with just, you know, they were just a race of people that look people with shit on their face. And then the flounders mm-hmm. fucked around with their DNA to make them arm, armadillo people. Yes. Because, yeah. But, but why yeah. they, I think they probably it, why they actually did it. Is so that you would immediately develop some sort of uh, like a paternal attachment or almost a maternal attachment between Cisco and the baby. Yeah, yeah. And it, just, and it allows that, him to tell a couple of stories about what it was like growing up with Jake and how he sees still. Just, I mean, it feeds into that other plot. The more. Yeah. Yeah. That, that Jake is a baby that he views Jake as a baby, but Jake is a young man. Right, right, right. And so. But even just. Yeah. But. Oh, sorry. I did like just quirk after he finds a baby. And he's like, no, no, his no, no, no is pretty mm-hmm. great. But then when Cisco comes oh, in yeah, and it's just immediately like, you bought a child? <laughs> and I'm doing it not justice because Avery Brooks is pretty great. Yes. Like, oh, what did you not inspect? Isn't there an, a rule of acquisition about inspecting the goods before you buy them? He's like, yeah, there is. And I usually do. But she was jacking off my ears, man. What was <laughs> yeah. I supposed to do? She was sexy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like. But it's like, oh, we almost got a rule of acquisition. I just had to point that out. Yes. It's probably always inspect the goods before you buy. Mm-hmm. But then Cisco is in his righteous anger about, like, you bought a truck. And then Quark has that salvage. And he's like, I paid three bars for that. And then Avery Brooks, is, Cisco just looks at him like, you motherfucker. I will. And he, he sees the look in Avery Brooks's eyes when he gets this you know, paternal instinct for this child. And he's like, uh, okay, all right, I'm not going to fuck around. You can have it. I'm sorry. We usually do this earlier. Spoiler alert, I love this episode. I don't know. Did we all love this episode? I liked it a lot, yeah. Hugh? Because uh, it was just... Uh, I was, this is this episode is just reminds me of the entire series of Dexter, basically. <laughs> uh, I didn't watch so all of it. So I... Uh, I mean, it's, it's like, I think it ties nicely into, you know, our golden age of television type mm-hmm. thing where you've got... Uh, a whole TV series basically rips off this episode, yeah. <laughs> and uh, uh, it tries. I, like I think scorpion it's, and the turtle thing. <laughs> I think it's okay. I mean, I liked it okay. I uh, I didn't love it. I thought it was again. It was like kind of like last week. I was, I'm fine with it. I didn't hate it. I didn't love it. Um, I think that it's trying to say some interesting things about nature versus nurture, mm-hmm. maybe. Yeah, and I'm not always sure. Where where it ends up at the end, if it succeeded or not. If this episode well, has a failure, I think that it's not. I don't think it stuck its landing. Yeah, that's. I guess it's my. I, uh, I. I mean, I guess you're right. I like the ending, but I don't like this. What I did like about this episode was was the fact, and we're talking about you know big season long television, modern television, and everything. Mm-hmm. Like last week was just. A character episode. It was a Kira episode. Mm-hmm. This one was like, yeah, there was this a plot of the Jim Hadar thing, but it was also just giving us time, yeah, in the season just to live and figure out the characters. Like you have this 
quirk scene at the beginning. You got the Jake and Marta stuff. You got Julian and Jadzia had a great scene with, where they weren't talking about relationships or anything. They're just talking about science. Mm-hmm. And then you realize, oh shit. They're both science officers. Mm-hmm. They have that stuff to talk about. Yeah, they have a high level. You know, like, yeah, they have a high level of technical knowledge about things. Yeah, yeah I think yeah. that that's I mean, probably it's all techno babble. Yes, like I, cellular I, genetic profile. He's got a biomolecular diffusion gradient that suggests cellular mitosis that is genetically <laughs> advanced, and that he has a uh, something enzyme that's missing that turns out to be something that yeah. hasn't been mentioned mm-hmm. yet, but but has huge ramifications in that. Um, yeah, no, I, oh, yeah. that's the thing I like. Okay, so I think this show did a lot of things really definitely. I will start this out by saying that this episode is claimed to have been written by, like, two act two people who probably don't exist. Oh, yeah. They have no other... I saw those they, names, and I was like, I don't know. Yeah, they have no other... Okay, unpack this. What is, what's going on? Well, I don't know. Like, I don't, these people, I don't have, uh, they, they have no other credit to their name anywhere. It says so in Memory Alpha, they have no other credit to their name. Huh. I'm wondering if it's like, but it's so ingrained in the, the minutia of the story that I almost wonder if it's like a Smith and Jones kind of like it's an Alan not Alan Smithy but like a, yeah. if this is like it was, it was the equivalent of like a or maybe someone wrote a group pitch well or maybe someone wrote a pitch a long time ago about it maybe it was just this plot and yeah it just and it just and, and like I was saying like there's the whole thing is like it deals with all these different characters and just dealing with character stuff maybe it was the whole room that's what I'm saying like well instead yeah, of, the, yeah. it was Maybe the kernel of the idea came from this, but it was the whole room sort of writing it. It's deft. Like, this episode does a lot of things. Yeah. It re-enter... Like, the show is doing a very good job of how it manages the Dominion. Almost a shockingly good job. Yeah, yeah. You have a whole battle with yeah. the with the whole sort of political thing in the second half of the first, the premiere episode, but it's not really a battle. So you get to see and learn about the Vorta and the things, but it didn't really happen. It was a simulation. Right, right. So it takes you to a certain edge there. And with this episode, you get to kind of like learn a lot about the Jem'Hadar without them fighting the Jem'Hadar and winning. Yeah, yeah. So because if you fight them and win and we learn about them and you win, they stop being, you learn more about them, but they stop being scared. Right, right. This does a really good job of keeping the legend of the Jim'Hadar built in the show, in your in the mind of the of the viewer, but, you know, everybody gets to live at the end of the episode. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. So it's a really, and, and they, I'm sorry, they deal with stuff that are central to the Jim'Hadar, like their isogenic mm-hmm. enzyme that they're lacking without even saying the thing that it is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They never say you know, tetracyl white. I'm, I mean, they never say yeah. white mm-hmm. or tetracyl mm-hmm. yeah. white or anything. They're just like you know, like because they don't know what it's called yet mm-hmm. because they haven't met any real anybody that would name it in the dark yeah. and talk to. Yeah. So, uh, and that's a you know for people who are not watch the show, that's a huge sort of plot point over the course of the show is that they they have this like addiction, this attachment. Mm-hmm. Um, but another thing it was done really well is it was just it, how it was forked over to you in pieces. Yeah, it's a Cisco baby attached to a baby episode. Then it becomes a what this baby is a medical mystery. It's one of those like space mystery episodes, like where lots of tricorder scans and and then it becomes a Odo. Odo has a kindred That's yeah true. has a kindred yeah. spirit. Yeah, and then it becomes a. There is a psychopath. There is an unstoppable psychopath on the ship. Yeah, yeah. And and so you get to play those four different beats, and it yeah, it feels like a whole. Like Odo yeah. doesn't yeah. Odo doesn't even show up till like 
halfway through yes. the thing. Yes. And then like, oh, Odo's got his own apartment now. And then you get some good Kira and Odo stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Like, re- uh, on this rewatch for me, I'm just realizing that they're setting up stuff so much early. She's still fucking. Um, yeah, bro. Robot Pope. Yeah, you haven't even or brought Brian, in. Or Robot you, Not Pope. You haven't even brought in Robot Prime Minister yet. Like, like uh, <laughs> um, yeah, no, she. Yeah, like, yeah, they're still doing that. In fact, that. I mean, as she brings him over some brush, some like undergrowth. Oh yes, <laughs> like, yeah. She's like, oh, I thought you could use some color in the place. Oh, some color. Yeah, for some you you, oh, some you brought me gray leaves. leaves. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> brighten your room. But then he okay. sticks the plant in the bucket, and I believe, bucket, yeah. I believe that that shot of the a shot of those gray twigs in the bucket is one of the last shots of the entire show. So I mean, Did like they shot. No, like. Like oh. in the last episode of, oh. of Deep Space Nine, oh. Oh. like one of the last oh. shots is of that oh, wow. of that bucket. With, Put a pin in that. Yeah. yeah, like yeah. So I mean, they we get his base. Speaking of things coming back, we got I don't remember what scene it was. It, well, some scene in his office. We got Cisco's baseball back. Oh yes, yes. You see that uh, Odo uh, lives in a on a jungle gym. Like that's, yeah. that's he lives on a jungle gym now. So you see like the growth of Odo and that how that informs yeah. the Dominion too. It's and, probably got those like rubber plate pl- mats at the bottom, so if he falls <laughs> off, he doesn't hurt himself. You know, like this, those newfangled did, playgrounds do. Not like the ones when I was growing up <laughs> that were full of mulch. Did this episode feel like it? A little familiar to you, uh, because of Rick, and, because of the uh, Rick and Morty episode. <laughs> well, because of um, because of the Star Trek Next Generation Borg episode, oh, where they cute. essentially do the yes. same. Yes, in thing. fact, that yes. was a. And, uh, there was a lot of talk in what I was reading. A lot of the writers were talking about its relationship to the I Borg. Is that the name of the episode? I don't remember the yeah, one with I, Hugh. I feel like that. <laughs> yeah, Hugh. Yeah, and not Hugh the Borg, mm-hmm. the baby Borg. We'll just say baby, baby. Borg. That can be confusing yeah. as hell, but yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So yeah, yeah. Not huge, they huge. have a baby, but I feel like that dealt with some of the sim- uh, similar themes mm-hmm. a little bit more deftly. I think you're right on how well this deals with the overall story arc of the season, but I think it's a failure with dealing with the nature versus nurture theme. Well, like, it's thematically as at like, uh, or maybe the, I actually it almost takes the mo- the, the yes. opposite, and that is topic. intentional. Well, I mean, well. It's explicit that they're all they're all they're all nature. They're modified. So I mean, it's it's the nature versus nurture is a question if they came about naturally, but they are hard coded nature instead of nurture. So it's hard to what? No, I I agree. I agree. I do believe that Hugh. Okay, first off, just that Robert Hewitt Wolf in what I was reading in his quotes about the episode talk about. The I the Hugh the I Borg I think is the name of the episode or Hugh the Hugh character the baby Borg mm-hmm. and that development in that episode and how he essentially becomes like a, like he sees that he has autonomy you know like and he can self determine for himself and that there's some sort of shedding of the Borg and the tragedy that ends at the end of that episode that they talk about that they they were a conscious that the show is similar and b that it has to like that they kind of wanted to go in a different direction. For the effect of making the Jim Hadar seem tougher than the Borg. But I do think, I do agree with you that if the show has a flaw, other than just it's kind of like got a rushed ending, if if it had a flaw, it would be that I would wish that the, do they even give the guy a character a name? The Jim Hadar character. I wish that he had some 
sense of beauty or the world around him when he was younger and that you get to see like his genetic predisposition crush that himself oh yeah but like he was always just like give me food and then give me fighting you know where if he was give me food tell me about you like well this is pretty this is interesting i like this and then as he gets older then like yeah then you see like the the yeah. him being ground under but that. you know that's just a testament to how well the the minion has bred like there's no room exactly for like the dominion has no <laughs> yeah exactly room. yeah yeah and in and and the fact their that their program works perfect from Buddha. right like i feel like the fact that it ages in like a day to a full-grown adult there's no time to build your own memories or intelligence it has to be amazingly hard-coded into the dna because he he didn't learn anything he didn't learn from his environment mm-hmm. which would be the nurture he learned in like two days because it's all pure. It's already there. It's like, yeah, yeah. yeah it's genetic memory. It's all mm-hmm. of it genetic memory. There's no time to really nurture. Odo does his best mm-hmm. to try to nurture him into being something else. And the best that he nurtures him into thinking on his own is to realize that Odo is not like the other founders and he might like the other ones better. Mm-hmm. That's the only really choice. That's only like self-determination or thing that he decides on his own is that I might like these other ones better because they're going to tell me what to do more. And it does feel like that, that like we're, we're talking about pretty big things here, determinism, nature versus yeah, nurture, yeah. but it does seem to be at the end that when Odo comes back to Kira and says, you were right. What that is saying is that they are telling a story about how scary the dominion is. Yeah. And usually when you have themes like this, the show is telling you a little bit about the, the future plot to come but also a little bit about like yourself or, you know, some sort of relation, you know, how you relate to the work you're writing where at that, it was just like, they're fucking badass, you yeah. know? And so I, I none of that. Yeah, yeah. That there was that, that they are like, be afraid, be very afraid end of episode. And, and I do, okay, so, and I, yeah, I do feel like that was then, a little bit. The, I, 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 yeah. And well, and they, they also, I mean, you could get into the Star Trek idic and diversity question, like, mm-hmm. and moral relativism, and like, because, you know, Odo takes the Jim Hadar into the hollow suite, and it's like, well, you know, they do this with the Klingons all the time. It's like, well, okay, they're bred to be a violent, you know, want to fight all the time. And hey, here's an outlet for your anger and your aggression, and you don't have to kill anybody. You can just fight, and it's a hologram, and it, you know, it's safe. Mm-hmm. And he's hoping that the guy that he can just get that out of the system and the holodeck can come out and be nice and it doesn't work. But then the Jim Hadar kid asks him, like, you know, and he's like, well, do you want to do anything? What else? What do you want? And what do you want to do? What do you want to do with your life? And he's like, I just want to fight. <laughs> Is that wrong? And it's kind of like that Star Trek. <laughs> I want to rock. Oh, no. Yeah. Uh, no, like yeah, like what do you want to do with your life? Uh, no, but that he's not he's not like the dad in the twisted sister video. He's like, well, what? I mean, let's let's find out what you want. To, and instead of saying like, you know, Star Trek is like, oh, we have to accept people as they are. And when he says, is that wrong? Odo doesn't even tell him, no, it's not wrong. He just mm-hmm. that he tells him, well, uh, let's just find some uh, more interesting things for you to pursue and. He try, you know, and it's almost. I don't know. I don't want to start 
talking about it. This episode's all about parenting and stuff, I guess, to an extent. Like, mm-hmm. it's to the point where you try to make your children or lead them to do something that you think is the right, mm-hmm. and it just doesn't take. Yeah, you know, like yeah, no, let's let's right. yeah, we. I mean, it's not wrong to want to fight. It is, but you know, I'm not gonna tell you. Let's see if we can do something. And then the kid's like, no, fuck you, dad. I want to. I just want to fight. And they're like. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you could look at it that way, that your kids are just going to disappoint. Well, yeah, I think that, that yeah, I think that's maybe, I think you're right, because tying the B story and the A story has, having to do with parenting and, like, children having their own agenda and free will. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I think they're, they are trying to tie that together. That sets it apart a little bit from the, the Borg story. I just think that they try to shoehorn some nature versus nurture stuff in with Kira and Odo discussing, you know, what how he should be allowed to do on the ship. Or yeah. I don't know. It's it's kind of a clunker at, at the at the end. Yeah. Well, my biggest thing at the end is that like you get to this ending where you have this showdown in this in this hallway. And then oh, it's yeah. like, yeah, can we, yeah, I want to talk about the Cisco and we're yeah, talking about well, captain yeah. captains. Okay. We well, know he's still a commander. Well, you have this, but the whole major thing is that like, he's like, well, I'm going to take him here. And they're like, okay, you'll take him here. And then he's like, well, okay. And then they have the standoff that he's like, uh, I'm going to take him there. Okay. So Odo gets on his ship and goes back to the founder homeworld or the somewhere he goes to a, Oh yeah, he's like, does, does he? I don't remember. Wait, yeah. wait a minute. And then Where like the fuck he, does he comes go? back. That's a good point. Like, <laughs> and then he just comes back. Like, I felt like you were burying. Yeah, like, did he take the like a pivotal story element there? <laughs> you're, yeah, they, they, you know, he didn't like give him an escape pod and say go find your people. Like he took them to I don't know. I guess back yeah, to the Great he, Link or that's, something. That's a very <laughs> yeah. That because yeah, they're like oh. They don't take the Defiant, which they to to get into Jim Hadar Dominion space. They've had to go. I mean, that's with that whole mm-hmm. two-parter opener. It was like how dangerous and fucked up it was just to get into Dominion space. They have to be so careful that you know they need a cloaking device and everything. And then they're just like, uh, and, oh, and then the Jim Hadar have Tosk powers yeah. going way back to season one. Uh, O'Brien. Yes, but we see that with we see that in the first the the last episode of last season, don't we? Right. Where they all stall materialize on the bridge. Yeah. Well, that's well, that's the thing is that that was like I I thought when that happened on the bridge that they teleported. That's a good point. We didn't know that it was like X Men power. They've got Nightcrawler powers. Yeah. Well, yeah, and in this one, I just thought it was like they have personal cloaking devices. We have seen that they have personalized uh, cloaking devices. Well, it sounded like he just kind of bamped. Didn't he just kind of bamp in there? Or do you well, think he was like or he, he was, was like predators sliding into the door? Or he was tossing. Yeah. Right. Well, they going back to season one where the conjecture and even maybe in the novels or somewhere in a book where they conjecture that that tossed that was um, O'Brien's yes. best friend in like the fifth episode of the series because they do look a lot like the Jim Hadar yes, and the Lizard Face people, mm-hmm. and they have chameleon power powers where he can disappear and jump out of it. I don't know like if he just can if they can nightcrawl or bamf into anywhere that's crazy we I don't think that holds up going through the season series but I do think that if they have those I, can, I think maybe I just thought that's what it was so so we're saying that in that whole scene between Odo and Cisco and Cisco's office like while they walked in also like 
Harry Potter and the Invisibility Cloak also walked in behind him, like scuttled <laughs> yeah. in behind him, and then stood in the corner. And you're probably right. That's yeah. not exactly what happened. I just didn't think of it that way, like t- twice. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, but, yeah. At, at first I was like, holy shit, they just teleport. How do you do you teleport in? <laughs> yes. And I was like, no, no, no. He he had a cloaking Yeah, thing. you're probably right. Oh, and like, oh, d- I guess it's genetic. Oh, he's like a Tosk. Mm-hmm. And like, oh, yeah, I remember Tosk. Well, yeah. The show doesn't remember Tosk, but I remember Tosk. Yes. And yeah, it, it makes sense that he would follow Odo around because he does, you know, because that's the only person he almost trusts, and you know, and he's genetically predisposed to want to be with him or whatever. Mm-hmm. Show him deference. Yeah, but then when he p- bamps in there, and then I'm going to kill everybody, blah blah blah, because the the USS Constellation is going to come take him to Starbase 201, and Odo thought he had more time. And Cisco's like, man, I tried. I gave you all the time I had. There's been a lot of Odo and Cisco stuff where, like, it's Cisco saying, look, <laughs> I talked to the Federation. General Necheyev is kind of a pain in the ass, but I'm trying here, man. And Odo's like, no, I need more time. <laughs> I'm trying to keep these things out of your file. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And But then, yeah, exactly. But then uh, the Jim Hadar, I'm going to call him Jim Tosk. Uh-huh. Uh, is like, I'm going to kill people. And then Oda's like, yeah, he's just going to kill people if you let them take him into the constellation. <laughs> and this is this is also going back to how Cisco was different than Picard and every other captain. One, he likes children. Mm-hmm. That was a big... <laughs> he likes babies. Quite a bit. Yeah. He likes being Mr. Mom, changing diapers and shit. Uh-huh. But Picard's not up for that. But then also, Odo is like, look, it's going to get bloody if you don't do what I want. And, you know, you know I'm, you know I'm your friend. Mm-hmm. Or you trust me? Whereas Picard would be like, "Fuck no!" But he's going to Starbase two hundred one. I don't care if I have to yeah. shoot both of you. This is a world of rules, and I follow rules. Yeah, like that kind of shit. Yeah. So he's just like, and uh, uh, Admiral Nechev is going to be pissed, but you're right. She'll just have to be pissed. Yeah. Take a take a runabout. Don't take the Defiant or a ship that. Yeah. And well, then he does mention to Odo, like, "How do you? Why do you think they're going to let you come back?" He's like, "Because I'm a founder, motherfucker." <laughs> yeah. No, I get. That, I mean, I, oh, he says that. How did? And he goes, I don't think they can hurt me. I think maybe there was like a yeah, Jim yeah. Hadar planet that he dropped him, like he pulled off like an Uber and just like dropped him out, and then went back. <laughs> right. uh, I guess, and that's and they knew they couldn't hurt him because they can't hurt Odo. Yeah, you're. I mean, that that's true. It sounds like then they should all like if that's true, then they should have developed a, a like a, a defense system where they stretch Odo over the Defiant, like, <laughs> like as like a coating. Like no, can he exist in the vacuum? Can they? Yeah, it's that's how coaching. he was found. Nerd corner. Yeah, that, he was found in the vacuum. Odo. So I would use. Yeah, he was, but he wasn't really sentient then. I would use Odo as an actual living shield. Yeah, right. like, literally a living shield. But no, yeah, yeah, that was all. That was just kind of like weird. That was, I mean, everybody's, you got to hand, you can't, not all, not every story's 40 minutes, but you got to make every story 40 minutes on a TV show. And sometimes you got to hand wave over some shit. And that, and I get that, but that was a weird thing to hand wave over. It's just, I didn't even realize, I didn't yeah. even notice it. I was like, what are you talking about? I was like, oh my God, that's, that's huge. You're right. Yeah, yeah. It, it, How did that work? It's bigger than a few weeks ago when I complained about Bashir just going to a, like a Cardassian planet without any. About what? Bashir going to the Cardassian planet. I just want to go over one, one brief theme that I like to come back to from time to time at this point. Yeah. 
I think I'd like to make the case against Bashir an awful lot. Um, <laughs> Go ahead. My central question with Bashir is, is he an actually like a, a good doctor? And I think in this episode on the is Bashir a good doctor scale, I give him like a B. I think he's completely adequate. He answers <laughs> all the questions that they need. I was going to say, like, how do you, I thought he was a good doctor at this. No, he's fine. I, okay, I don't yeah. think that he is. I don't think you can make the case that he's exceptional, and I think this this particular episode doesn't help his the case that he's an exceptional doctor. I think he's completely adequate. He <laughs> he gets to the bottom of the medical mystery in an adequate amount of time. No, <laughs> no faster. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what do you want he, you him know, to do? I liked all of Bashir's sciencing in this episode because, I mean, it's just he they they're giving techno babble about like. Isogenic enzymes and molecular diffusion, but I mean he's 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 got his he he doesn't fuck up. Yeah. Okay, but then also he takes time just to. I love that they had a Bashir Dax scene where they're just talking. Yes, shop. that was. I I agree with that all of that, but I think that's if you <laughs> take Bashir out and you put Doctor Pulaski in, I think you get much the same effect. My oh, yeah. my whole thing is that yeah. like we don't have an, an exceptional doctor on Deep Space Nine. Hey, we man. have a perfectly adequate doctor. On, but on but for for you were talking adequate. Your argument before that he was a bullshit awful doctor. Right. So, well, okay. Uh, and I do like he still the doctor patient confidentiality still goes out the window. I'm just saying that we've moved from bullshit awful to perfectly adequate. That's all. Hey, I'm hey, hey, hey. This episode. You're right. Hey, but you know what? <laughs> I'll take it's it. a step in the right direction. But, <laughs> and I will right. give him, yes. he does advocate for his patients. Like, they're having a board meeting where they, after they figure out that it's a Jim Hadar, and then Kira's like, fuck this. Like, yeah. get rid of yeah. him. Send them to Starbase 201. I don't care if they cut him apart. By the way, that was a that was a return to old Kira. So, fine by yeah, me! I love that. Like, like that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I like that quite a bit. And then, yeah. you know, but he... You know, Bashir takes Odo's side. He's like, wait, no, I'm. A, he's a compassionate doctor. He's like, no, they're just gonna hack him apart. You know, mm-hmm. they're gonna have. You know, they're gonna run well, their experiments, and that's not good for him. I, you know, and then Odo's like, they'll treat him real nice, but he's still just gonna. They'll never. Yeah, he'll be a well he'll be kept a, specimen or whatever. Right, right. He'll be a trophy for him. Not like they'll they'll pretend to be nice, but they won't. They won't get him, man. So. This this is all of this and Odo's involvement and all of this brings uh before we get to the whole ending sequence brings a question to mind. Uh where is Michael Eddington? <laughs> uh, they didn't want to pay him this week, I guess. <laughs> I mean like this is I get what they're doing. It's very clever. I mean, spoiler alert, Michael Eddington's a major has a major thing going I on think later. We sp- I, have we I think we already spoiled that in a previous accidentally, episode but anyway, he didn't get the spoil. Yeah. So, Michael Eddington is important. And they introduced him in the first episode, and he's replacing Odo. And they haven't ever at any point said Odo's not being replaced by yet. They didn't ever say that that changed. Right. They said that Odo's now important because, you know, because he's now a linchpin to, to, to destroying the Dominion, and everybody realizes that. Yeah, yeah. But... He's, he's still technically... Is he still the security? Uh, head of security okay. on the station. okay. And Michael yeah, Eddington and Michael Eddington took a week off. Like, yes, he did. He's you know, um, he took a runabout 
to do well he's he's I know exactly where he is, but that might be. We can all sort of figure out where he's at, but like is no one like I like that like I don't know, like another clever thing would have been like Cisco going, Where's Michael Eddington? (laughs) (laughs) Wait wait a minute, where is that guy? Why aren't we talking to our actual Federation security officer? Yeah. (laughs) Or if they could just see him working some dials or filling out some paperwork in the back. Yeah. He's still he's still going going to orientation. He's got another week before he gets out of orientation. (laughs) Yeah, oh he's yeah. He's in the, he's in the HR Hollow Suite program. Yeah, yeah. Uh, before the dinner scene, or when Cisco confronts his son about like, yeah, I invited the uh, Dabba girl to dinner, and Jake's a little annoyed with him. He's like, hey, hey, son, what are you doing? Stop playing with your iPad and talk. To yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, oh my god, for ni- 1994, man, that that mm-hmm. that is like commonplace. That's like old. That's cliche at this point if you have kids, but. Um, mm-hmm. That is true. Not 1994, he's on his iPad flipping around watching, I don't know, Let's Play videos or something. Yeah. The other thing I noticed was just just set and prop design. Like they're when they're going through the wreckage of the ship and they pull out a thing where they find the the uh, the drug. I won't name it. We named it once on this podcast. I haven't mentioned it. Whatever. Mm-hmm. But they have like a crate underneath it that is like, wait a minute part of their set design is like that's like crates that i deal with at work myself (laughs) i recognize that even under all that dirt it's the same blue crates that i used to pull tapes out of at my job (laughs) right uh one last thing is if they could get it if we could get a constant value for how much uh gold press latinum goes for like i feel like it's all over the map like they routinely five bars of gold press latinum is a lot or a little like i don't and some like he spent three dollars yeah. for all of the scrap, but like, well, he got a deal because he paid less oh, than yeah. five. I, I, that's a great, yeah, five. Like, I don't, bars. that's a great, I yeah. feel like that the, 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 the numbers just aren't comparative, and that bothers me, like, from a world building perspective. I wish someone had a well, I mean, he was getting his hands, he was getting his ears stroked when he made that deal, <laughs> so we can't hand you gotta, you can't, gotta, but I still does not know. I, yeah, if it were an exorbitant amount, if he were paying an exorbitant amount for it, you know what it would be. But would then, be if it was, but if it bars. was not a lot, if it was just three bars, I just bought like fuck, it was three bars. I think people like Quark view that as a acceptable risk to lose it all. But he seemed like he had, you know, in one scene, he felt like he had sort of invested deeply in this scrap. So I don't. Right. Well, and then in another, he's like, when he's walking around, it's, it's all junk, and then he's like, yeah. I made a good mm-hmm. pie. It's like, and then he hears the baby, and he's like, "No, no, 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 yeah. no, no." So I get, yeah, I don't know. Like, it's, I, yeah, I just, it's, I, it's just a little thing. I just wish the numbers were a little. Like, I wish I knew if someone said three or five or fifty-two bars of gold press platinum. Yeah. I wish if I knew that was a lot or a little. Well, maybe part of it's like you know what I mean for the Federation, especially like I know, and money don't mean none of anything. <laughs> it's just it's the Ferengi that fetishize it, and so maybe. Yeah. But but I feel like maybe I feel they're like, just playing kids' games. I feel like I feel like Rain Man, where I was like, "How much would that cost?" I don't know, about a hundred <laughs> bars of gold press latinum. How much would a Snickers right, cost? Right. About a hundred bars of gold press latinum. I don't know, you know. <laughs> right. So yeah, but anyway, that's a, that's a, right. that's a deep minor critique, but nonetheless, yeah. here we are. Uh, okay, let's 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 talk about the IMDb ratings. I all right, uh, seven point seven. You guys want to go ahead and set. What did, what did you think? Oh, I, jumped, I jumped the gun. No, he said 7.7 uh, 7. 7. 7 is what you said? Yeah. Um, I will go 
shit. Uh, that's about where I would go. So let's go. I'm going to be a dick and go 7.8. Well, we had 568 votes. And for that's a little bit above average. And it ended up 6.9 out of 10. Whoa, really? Yeah. yeah that's the I, lowest I think, we've had in a while. Yeah. Uh, last week, didn't we have a low one last week, too? No, no we didn't. Second no. skin was 7.8. Yeah. Uh, 6.6 for equilibrium is what yeah. we had. And that, that's valid, Ooh. though. This, I don't feel... Yeah, I bought, yeah that, that went all except. <laughs> the problem with this episode is there's a lot of things to a lot of people. Uh-huh. And that's probably... And, and it didn't do all of them. It didn't do an exceptional job at, at any of them. It's sure inadequate. Right. Yeah. And when you look at what James is saying about how it moves the ball down the field... Uh, that is a neat trick, um, and, but I don't think if you're just watching it as a Star Trek fan, you're you're really gonna yeah look yeah for that like we are. I think yeah, I think the craftsmanship of the show was really great, but it's not a show that it's everybody's. A, gonna, it's a structural you know, it's not, episode, like it's yeah, exactly, it's an episode yeah. that's built. It's like a stud in a wall. It's not you know no one wants you know it's not the painting on the wall. It's not the sheetrock, but it's like the stud. You know it it carries a lot of weight for setting up a lot of shit but yeah, yeah. it's a load-bearing episode yeah yeah it's a load-bearing episode it's a load-bearing episode <laughs> that's a great way to put it yes it is all right yeah, next wait, wait next week is shit uh next week is, is it civil defense it's civil defense it? yeah they uh this is the episode where they accidentally tripwire an old cardassian security like doomsday device oh, inside the station right. and it's great and gold ducats in it so i was about to say this is a, this is a ducat yes episode, it is right? So this right. this episode's right. fun. Yes, I'm I'm rubbing my hands together in anticipation. For okay. This, so. All right, and here we are now. We're going on to our voicemail segment, our subspace transmissions, our radio transmission. No, whatever phone in the internet is transmitted on. Put them up on view screen. Can we call it that? Put yep. them up on view screen. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Incoming substrates transmissions, I guess, or something. I don't know. Sure. Yeah. Maybe, <laughs> maybe something cooler. I don't know. <laughs> I know. I feel like every Star Trek podcast that does a feedback segment calls it subspace transmissions. <laughs> so I kind of want to do Probably. Something. Yes. It's amateur hour, but every, everybody loves it. Like I think that's what he's trying to say. Just like when I was listening, I was like, I bet they all have check check it out by the Beastie Boys as their <laughs> intro song. But yeah, I don't know. Neil deGrasse Tyson stole that for Star Talk. Yeah. Well, anybody can use it though. But I guess oh, you don't wanna... yeah, yeah, you don't want to poke the bear. I mean, it's a big one. He's probably the only one that can afford the the rights to it. <laughs> we we will not. I mean, I guess we could play the Beastie Boy song since we're talking about it. Maybe in fair use <laughs> we're terms, reviewing but... the use of it. I don't know if you're a lawyer and you want to tell us about that. We might not play it, or we might, but it depends on if how boring you are. Nine I'll tell you, you're more than welcome just to, to pause this podcast and then play it on YouTube or your own home library. I guess could we could we cover it. Could someone send in a version of "Check It Out" by the oh, Beastie Boys, and then we could play it that way? Yeah, yeah, that's what we want. Everybody freestyling the Beastie Boys. Well, just the just the Trekkies and TV and the Klingons. Oh, first. so the really qualified and skilled people doing it. Oh, thank <laughs> <Yeah>. you. <laughs> well, no. That's, that's Can we get a Klingon language version of a Beastie's Boys song? Oh. Okay, let's just move on to voicemails. How about that? Hit it. We're gonna we're gonna pare it down. I was gonna say we're gonna try and keep this week a little bit shorter than last week. We're just gonna play you like one voicemail and then do one email just for time limits. But 
maybe we'll just spend 20 minutes talking about Beastie Boys and Fair Use instead. Why not? And Trekkies and TV addicts. But first off, I'll just play a voicemail real quick. I'll just let this speak for itself. All right, here we go. Hey, y'all. Um, for the 40th time, it's uh, Robert Picardo, not uh, Richard Picardo. This is uh, Jeffrey Miller One on uh, Twitter. I've aired my grievance on that before. Oh, also, yeah, this episode really, really close. <laughs> Equilibrium is awful. Anyway, thanks. Bye. <laughs> All right. Yeah, that was uh, Jeffrey Miller. Yeah. Okay. The <laughs> fact that we've screwed this poor guy's, this poor actor's name up so many times, and this is, he's not even on the show that we, this is Star Trek, <laughs> it's a Star Trek Voyager yeah. uh, actor that we keep on butchering and just completely frustrating our put upon listenership. Yeah. Uh, 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 to be fair, it's not us yeah. butchering. Yeah, it's I mean, me. I mean, it's James. <laughs> yeah, it's me. I know who Robert Picardo is. He's a, he's right. amazing. He's one of my favorite know, Trek actors. I know I know about him too, but I don't I apparently don't know his name very well. <laughs> that I'm not on the Voyager podcast. Uh I will say in my defense, we don't record these uh we record the call the the section we're on now. We're gonna record the calls Pretty close to the airing of the original episode, like you were just talking about Equilibrium. The Equilibrium came out last week, right? Or two weeks yep. ago? I don't know. Yeah, I like two that. weeks. No, yeah. <laughs> this we, time we just, traveling shit this, is complicated. Yeah, last week. But we, we record well, the body of the episode. We record the body of the episode before. So I said Richard Picardo twice before you corrected me once. <laughs> <laughs> maybe it'll say it three times. Maybe four. We don't but remember. Now, now, now I want to slip it in a lot just to yeah. turn it into a thing. Not to irritate you, but just because it's funny to me now. Also, like, I mean, I like him enough as an actor to know his name. God help me if I had to say Chakotay's, the actor who plays Chakotay's name. Or or Tuvok. Tim Russ? I don't know. Tim Russ. Tim Russ. That's his name. I knew his name, but I don't know Chakotay's at all. Yeah, Chakotay. Can we do it? Just off the top of our head, don't look at anything. No, I'm Chakotay. not. I can't do it. I, I know he's... He's a real Native American. I'm sure. No, he's he's Mexican. I think maybe. Oh, oh fuck, fuck. Okay. Um, he might not be. I gotta check that before I learn to. Maybe I'll cut that if I'm wrong. <laughs> anyway, but no, he's That's a guy that is crazy. not afraid to talk shit about Voyager. That's his thing. Like he will say how bad the guy. Oh really? He'll, he he won't pull. He's punches. the guy with a bad attitude towards Voyager. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so does uh so does the uh. Kim, is that his name? Ensign Kim? Harry Kim. Harry Kim? Yes. Another actor's name I don't know. But this is a DS9 podcast, like you said. Yeah. I'm not beholden to know all their names. But, I mean, we, we, we're we all playing in the Star Trek sandbox. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and I don't know. Ever, after Scott Bakula, I don't know a single name of anyone on Enterprise. <laughs> and I don't think, I mean, like, they've literally not done anything after Enterprise, except for the Denoblian. <laughs> so... Yeah, and his name's okay. Quit saying, quit mentioning all these people whose names I can't remember. James, I'm feeling <laughs> stupid now. That's what I'm saying. So the fact that I got Picardo's last name right makes me feel <laughs> somewhat better about it. But yes, we only learned how to pronounce half of the names for this show. <laughs> it only took us like, almost a year to get Nana visitor, right? Uh, yeah, Rene Aubergenois. Aubergenois. And you had to go actually meet them like, or go hear them speak in person. Yeah, yeah. And say their own name. It's all baby steps here at the Rules of Acquisition. That's the <laughs> yeah, thing. Right. We're, Incremental steps. Yeah, yeah. We're we're learning as we go. It's certainly true. All right. All right. Um, and yeah, Equilibrium was shitty, man. I'm glad everybody feels that was shitty. 
<laughs> All right. And we'll just finish out with another. This is not a voicemail. I'll just read an email real fast from. Um, this is from Franklin in, in Jacksonville, Florida, a newer listener, but he's been going through everything. And I'll just read this in my as close as I can get to the micro machines voice guy and say it real fast, <laughs> which will not be anywhere near that fast. Why don't you do it in the old timey Civil War veteran writing to his love <laughs> voice? Ashioka's lament or whatever. Yeah. My dearest <laughs> rules of acquisition, <laughs> my de- podcast host, I write to you. The subject is I'm yelling at my phone here. <laughs> <laughs> it's a joke that somebody made about the nerds yelling at their phones. Mm. He's yelling at his phone, but he's typing on his keyboard. <laughs> dearest May. <laughs> It's hard out here on the front. Okay, okay, I got it. I got it. Stop there. All right. Okay. <laughs> all right. This is. I'm yelling at my phone here. Uh, I'm walking here. No. Uh, mm-hmm. All right. I'm gonna stop vamping and I'll just read this dumb email. Not dumb. <laughs> I'll read this fine email. You can't insult them. They won't keep listening. <laughs> yeah. No. He's. He's. He makes some good points. Okay. This is Franklin. And uh, yeah, found your podcast a few weeks ago and binge listens to where. I'm now current. I have to say, it is the best Star Trek DS9 podcast that sometimes even discusses DS9 and the only one that's used spit roast. (laughs) Still proud about that one. Yeah, I know you. (laughs) There's been a few incidences where I just had to yell at my phone. One of the earlier episodes where Latinum was discussed, it cannot be replicated. It's also a liquid that has to be pressed into a solid like gold. Put a pin in that. Okay. Okay. Uh, Garrick's phaser and profit and loss. The second gun came from Quark. Garrick disarmed Quark when he popped out of the airlock. He had it somewhere the whole time. The Spoonies probably have an easily accessible keister. (laughs) He keistered it, like I said. But okay. Uh, The most egregious moment was in the Dominion versus Borg conversation. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, that was your... some angry nerd corner stuff. Uh, which we, you know, I applaud the Borg, the old Borg, not that new Borg with the Queen bullshit, was unstoppable because they adapted. Three shots from a Jim Hadar weapon, and they would have all been assimilated. The Vorta would have been next. Any info about the Founders' weaknesses would be in the collective. At the least, the Changelings would have found themselves without a fighting force. More likely scenario would be the Borg using some molecular nanites to assimilate them too. Okay. And one you missed is how the heck were the founders beaten as female Odo claimed. Other than that, love the show. Please do avoid your podcast after this one. <laughs> I don't only want I don't want to only imagine how great that'll be. Move along home, Franklin in Jacksonville, Florida. <laughs> well, that's a great way to actually sign off an email, but basically, yeah, that as is, well. Yeah, uh, as well. Uh, yeah, yeah. Twiggy's signed off that way too. And his, I uh, think having our fans or people who listen to the show but but hate us—I don't want to call them fans—if <laughs> if they don't really like us, sign off on a uniform, move along home would be completely appropriate. He he says see, we're the best one that sometimes talks about the. Well, that's how you introduce yes. us. <laughs> And sure, and I do have to disagree about gold pressed latinum. It's not pressed into latinum. It's liquid contained in gold. It's hollow 
gold. You break the gold open, there's liquid latinum inside. Sorry, Franklin, you're wrong. Oh my god! But wait, they have like jewelry. They have like jewelry made out of latinum. Yeah, which foreseeably it's also encased in platinum or that or gold pressed. Then why is it? I don't, I'm so sure. Why, I, then why is it rare? Like I mean, like okay, like gold only has. It can't be replicated. No, the whole that's the whole point of latinum. You can't th- replicate that. That may be interesting. That, he is right on that. That might be interesting. But, okay, gold is only, here's the thing, and I never understood this about, like, during the Obama administration with the Glenn Beck people buying gold because it's going to be the end of the world. End of the world ain't going to feed your belly. Like, gold ain't going to feed your belly. Gold is profitable because we say it's pretty. If we stop saying it's pretty, I mean, I guess it's probably useful in computers or some shit, some unimportant thing. But generally, we just think it's pretty, and that's what has value. Well, it's a standard. Yeah, because if we go if we go into a dystopian <laughs> future, you know what the most valuable thing will be a solar-powered cell phone charger. Yes. <laughs> right, right. Well, yeah. So, so I mean, in so, the Federation... So, but I'm saying with, with, with latinum, but latinum, like, if it's encased in gold, it's as pretty as gold. Like, what's the feature... The, fe- the feature... Does latinum have if you can't even look at it? It can't be replicated, so that's what... They're just agreeing on a currency in a place where anything can be replicated. Neither can a duck's ass, but no one wants a duck's ass. Like I'm saying. Well, that's like, why nobody. That's why the Federation doesn't really give a shit about it. The Ferengis have go read Treconomics, <laughs> figure that shit out. Okay. <laughs> but the fact that it, the the main thing is it can't be replicated, and they've all decided that that's why it's worthwhile to use that as a currency because if it can be replicated, you can get as much money as you want. It's all about the scarcity of it. And it's not replicated. But if you have to encase it, but what? Because it's a liquid. Okay. That's why it's yeah. no, gold pressed. Okay, but that's, uh, that doesn't that doesn't uh, that doesn't answer why it's desirable. Because it can't be replicated. That's why. But what is its use? It's it's a currency. Currency is useful, James. I'm sorry. <laughs> I know, and it's but a currency standard has, that can't but, be. But currency has a real world thing. The American dollar has value because it it's a piece of America because it's backed by America. So we have all of these sort of we have a complicated sense of, sense of finance, but in this global world, like why did they if if only because they've race... agreed on it? It's it's why any currency is valuable because it's no agreed no that's not true that's not true. Currency is valuable because it used to have a function. American dollars used to be backed by gold. Gold used to be worth money because people liked it because it was pretty. Right. And you could always like if you had a bar of gold, you could always trade you know trade it for a piece of pussy or something. And like and like because because people could get it for all that for all that pussy getting and take the gold and make like a necklace out of it or something. Like it had yeah, but it was that. but beyond that, it was just it's an agreed upon unit that came after it was pretty well it doesn't matter if it came after or not that's why okay. Latin is, all right it's a great why don't we get back this is not why about don't the gold we just standard. wait a minute let's let's pump the brakes about the gold standard that's what i'm guys arguing. i'm not arguing a modern political thing i'm just saying that like at some point gold had value because it was pretty guys guys and, it's just and, a well, dumb sure, but that's it's not just a dumb tv about. show from the 90s latinum's not christ almighty latinum isn't valuable because gold is pretty it's because they've agreed they want to agree on a standard currency and because it's not replicatable it means you're not getting conned every time you use it as a currency. But okay, but that made more sense to me when they were making jewelry out of it and shit. But you now you're telling me that it's like inside of gold. Yeah. So therefore, you're not. It's not pretty. Why have platinum jewelry if you can't see it? Because like, they decided. Because it's Star Trek and they're just making this shit up yeah, as they go along. Yeah. Let's just, <laughs> okay, the the yeah, actual encasing the, gold wasn't that is actually, actually the answer. Yes. Okay. Yeah. All right. But that's yeah, cool. I mean, there. It's actually though I'm fairly certain. Gold press latinum are bars 
and liquid latinum and guard and inside of gold. I'm pretty sure it took him a while to settle on that. Holy like shit, having... you guys. You the viewers have really set off like a firestorm in, in the <laughs> rules acquisition this week. You guys see what you guys could do with the, the power of an email or a well placed voicemail? <laughs> all right. Well, if that's all for this week, we thank you again for all your emails, letters, and voicemails. Wade, do you want to give out the phone number and, and email oh, yeah. us? Yeah, yeah, please. If you want to set us off into infighting like this email did, you can send us an email at the rules of acquisition podcast at gmail.com. But we want to hear your voice, so give us a call at 917-408-3898. All right, and on that note, three to beam out. Have a good night. Do you know the cunt weasels that run this show have a call in line where you can express your DS9 wishes and DS9 dreams into their ear holes? They will play them on air and try to be nice to you because one day they hope to sell you blue apron snacks and underwear made out of modal. The number is 917-408-3898. That number again is 917-408-3898. You will probably want to talk about how hot Dax and Bashir are. That is great. These pretentious asses also love it when people say they are wrong. So feel free to do that. James will probably go off on a knowingly obtuse rant about construction issues or political sophistication. We know you love that. Again 917-408-3898. Did you know that some Deep Space Nine podcasts have more reviews than us on iTunes? Doesn't that piss you off? Please review us on iTunes. We need to feel loved sometimes.